Ronananian. It started out really talking about looking at how hard cars have become to work on. And was I sorry that I ever became a mechanic? Now won't you tell me if you can, cause life's so hard to understand. Lord have mercy on the working man. The Car Doctor. I'm not sorry I became a mechanic. I'm kind of proud of what I became. You know, I, I get to work on cars every day. I get to solve problems every day. I get to sort of scratch the surface of, of, of the edge of the unknown every day. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Ania, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie Indian, and the car doctor. Come on in, sit down. Let's see what's going on today. The phone number is 855-560-9900. That's the car doctor's 24-7 number, 855-560-9900. So get in while you can, and let's talk about your car problem. A little bit later on this hour, we'll be giving away another car doctor T-shirt. That comes up around the 42 mark uh, or somewhere thereabouts. And um, we look forward to that. And keep in mind, if you want your own Car Doctor T-shirt, we're glad to give it to you. But it's going to cost you. We need a Facebook like out on there on the Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor Facebook page. The page, not any posts. Liking the post is fine. We'd like to see you like the page. And we know you're serious then. And just leave a question. There's a place up there you can post and leave a question. If we pick it, we answer your question along with those two requirements. We'll be glad to send you out a Car Doctor T-shirt. And if you would like to stand out a little bit of head and shoulders above the crowd, then you can also email your question to me, ron at cardoctorshow.com. And uh, I'm glad to read all of my email and see what's on your mind. And that's really what this is about. I'm looking for ideas on what it is you're looking for in terms of answers, what kind of problems you're having, and how I can help you, uh, how I can help you solve some of those problems. Speaking of creating problems, so I've got this really great email in front of me. Hey, Ron, 2005 Toyota Camry, four-cylinder automatic, as an April Fool's prank. Now, you know, i got to tell you, April Fool's, maybe I'm losing my sense of humor as I'm getting older, but April Fool's is like a real waste of time, all right? As an April Fool's prank, we disconnected the wires that go to my friend's ignition coils so he thought his car was broken. He tried to start it a few times, and obviously it wasn't starting, but I think he had the key still in that on position when the cables were reconnected, and now his car won't stay running. Hey, great. You, you, you ruined the guy's car. Well, not really, but you sure didn't help it any. Listen, cars are a pretty expensive thing to be fooling around with, and it's, it's not something that you can take lightly. What more than likely went on here is the onboard computer is now confused, provided that it's not damaged. And what I would suggest you do is go in, look for fault codes, because I guarantee you there's more than a few. Clear the codes, so you're going to have to pay somebody to use a scan tool if you don't have one. Clear the codes, and then be prepared to do a memory reset. In this case, you'll probably have to disconnect the battery cables and jumper them together using a proper resistor wire and leave it connected for five minutes or so. Let the computer bleed down. Connect them back up. Clean the throttle body before you start it, before you even connect the cables if you want to do it that way. Start it up, and chances are you'll be fine. But you've confused the computer, and this is why, if this were my car, boy, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'd be annoyed, or a little bit more than annoyed, because cars aren't something you fool around with, not even for April Fool's, which in this mechanic's opinion is a complete waste of time. Hello and welcome. 
Ron Annie and the Car Doctor, and that's no joke. Here to take your calls and answer your questions at 855-560-9900. Here to help you solve your automotive problem. That's what I've been doing these past 25-plus years, and I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to be here each and every week. I'm glad that you include me in part of your choice because I know there's a lot of choices out there in terms of talking to people about fixing their car. And um, you know what? That's all I really want to do. So without any further ado, let's kick open the garage doors and go welcome Walt from Maui. Walt, you keep calling. I'll tell you what, I better see those plane tickets soon, buddy. Walt, are, are you, you there? there? Yes, sir. You there? Yeah, hi, Ron. Hey, Walt. Thanks how are for you? taking my call. You're very welcome. Oh. And I just want to comment that uh, a great interview with that young lady that you talked to at Thank the first you. Of the show. Yeah, that was uh, oh. that was that was hot stuff. That kind of gave me a thrill. It's been it's, it's I've never been anybody's homework assignment like that. So well, you should keep her number because she you can hire. She's going to be a good mechanic. Yeah, uh, you know, you, yeah, can't, you can see that, right, Walt? You know, I really want to see yeah. ten years from now. She'll be twenty two years yeah. old. Uh, I'll be 70. I want to see what she becomes, and um, yeah. uh, it'll be just interesting to watch. But we're going to actually well, put that interview you'll up on the, the radio, and you'll tell us about it. Yeah, I'm not planning on going anywhere, Walt, you know, but it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's not up to me. It's up to the big guy upstairs. I'll see what he wants me to do. So okay. how, how can I help you today, sir? Uh, well, two things. Uh, one thing is, do I need to join the union or anything? Because I've been on the air so much here lately, I'm worried. Well, I'll tell you what. That's why I said, you know what, we're looking for We're looking for the plane tickets, Walt. You know, if you send us the tickets, we'll come do the remote from Hawaii. Um, and if we do it, if we can do it next weekend, Harry's not around, so then he'll have missed out on it, and uh, he'll be upset well, about that. I wouldn't that. want to miss seeing Harry. Uh, yes, you would. So, but uh, <laughs> but okay, only only a, bro- only a brother can say that. So, but um, <laughs> no, you're okay, Walt. We enjoy hearing from okay, you. Good. What's going on? 2003 Chrysler Voyager 2.4 liter. It had a uh, oil warning light on, and I had an old mechanical gauge uh, from something I bought and didn't hook up from a long time ago. I said the direction said 2004. I hooked it up, and uh, the pressure was fine. Every all that worked out, and all that. The problem that, and the question I have is that once I disconnected the oil switch, you know, the uh, oil pressure light switch. The, of course, I get an instrument panel light, you know, showing that there's low oil pressure. I looked at the wiring diagram, and that switch goes to the PCM, not to the dash light. So I was concerned, having that disconnected, whether the PCM uh, was going to recognize that the car did not have any uh, oil pressure and give, do something, hopefully shut the engine off. No. Or if... Um, whatever the case may be, how do I disconnect that dash light? Because I, I left the mechanical gauge hooked up and it works fine. Here's here's the deal. First of all, think like a car company, all right? Let's say you're driving down a road and that wire got disconnected and the PCM saw lack of signal, all right? Um, yep. If it saw lack of signal, they would never allow the PCM to have the authority to shut the car off simply because if it happened on a back road somewhere and somebody was stuck in the middle of nowhere... They wouldn't want the lawsuit that would accompany it should something uh, happen to that person. You know, if they were in a life and death situation, bad weather being pursued, pursuing somebody, you know, that type of thing. Um, sure. You know, car companies always look at the litigious side of the effects of whatever happens to the vehicle. Uh, 30 years ago, General Motors cars, when the vacuum hose fell off the water control valve, they originally started out if the vacuum hose fell off the water control valve, you would lose heat. Back in the 70s, if memory serves me correct, somebody froze to death because of that. So after the lawsuit and General Motors lost, they made it go the other way, where if the vacuum hose fell off, the heat would work 
too much. So at the worst that would happen is in July somebody would roast instead of freeze, and <laughs> nobody would die from that. So they always think in terms. They always think in terms of litigiousness. They always think in terms of you know being sued. So don't worry about that. In terms of turning off the light, the problem is the PCM is not seeing an input. So we would have to figure out what the input is that it's looking for. Is it looking for a resistance value? And my suspicion, the first thing I would want to see is, you know, if you have that old sending unit, do you still have the old sending unit? Sure. You know, electrically, it's probably seeing zero resistance. Okay? Uh, It's probably seeing a zero resistance value. I wonder what would happen if you, I wonder if that is a signal line coming out of the PCM with voltage on it, that it's, it's resistance, it's a voltage drop to ground, or if we were to put a resistance uh, value in there, would we alter the curve? So we'd have to understand what that sender is doing, and the first thing I would do is measure the resistance value of the sender from the tab to the case. So it would, it, okay. would, it would be reading what the PCM is reading. Okay. It's got three connectors ah, in the okay. uh, sending unit. Okay. Uh, so this between is a, any two of them, there's no resistance. Okay, so then this is a sensor value. So then I would tell you you'd have to plug it back into the car, start it up disconnected. Then what does it read? It might change under pressure. Okay. All right. And then if yeah, Obviously you, it reads pressure, yeah. Right, and then it reads pressure. So if we could... If if we see nothing, then and I don't think it's going to. I think this is going to be some type of a you know the, there's a voltage coming out of the PCM as a guess, and it's going to vary the voltage signal to ground, and therefore the PCM knows what's going on. I bet if you took a DVOM, if you took a voltmeter and measured the line at the PCM, you know where you unplugged it from the oil switch, I bet you sure. there's I bet you there's a voltage there. I tell you the problem. One, well, one of the big problems is the wiring diagram I have only shows one wire going from the PCM to the uh, uh, instrument cluster, and it doesn't separate out. You know the different uh, warning lights there, so I, I don't know which wire to test. Well, no, 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 no. The the three wire. You're saying it's a three wire connector at the oil pressure sender. Yes. Okay. So at that oil pressure sender. Which one of those is going back to the PCM? All of them? I don't know. That's the, what the, the, the wiring diagram I have does not show that. Send me the, the Haines, of, I've got the diagram from a Haynes manual. I guess I need to get one from Chrysler. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get a better diagram. If you can't find one from Chrysler, Walt, send me the VIN. Send me the seventeen-digit VIN of the vehicle. Email okay. me, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. Okay, I'll get your wiring diagram and we'll figure it out. Great. All right. Great. So okay. you're good from there. So so I don't have to worry. I'm using the mechanical meter and our uh, indicator gauge, and I so I'm not going to worry about the light being on until I can get it turned off. Right. The car's not going to stop in the no. middle of the freeway. And, and the car's running fine, correct? Perfectly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I I don't. And we have no freeway here anyway. By right. the way, that I don't. Was, yeah, I would think not. Terms. So yeah, well, I understand. <laughs> I understand. If we had a freeway, you know, you'd end up in the water. Well, if you had a freeway, then I could drive over there. I wouldn't need the plane ticket. Uh, well, come on over. Uh, yeah, you're I'm, welcome to stay anytime and bring uh, the family. I'm working on it. And bring uh, Harry. What the hell? Well, like well, Harry. yeah, you know, it's um, he's just he's just meant to lay out on the beach in the sun like that. So, yeah, well, but yeah. uh, we like that. People come to spend money. You know, it keeps my property taxes down. Is that what it is? 
Uh, yeah, I, I encourage people to spend a lot when they're here. What's what, and that, and that's not hard to do. What's the weather like there today, Walt? We might as well get a weather report out of you. <laughs> that's a silly question, oh. Ron. Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's eighty and nice and sunny. <laughs> blue water and a gentle wind, right? Yeah, just kind of like, you know, the trade winds are blowing. It's probably yeah. just like it is there in New Jersey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, you can cut Walt <laughs> off. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Walter, take good care. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. This car is automatic, it's systematic, it's hydromatic, why it's greased lightning. Welcome back, Ron and the Car Doctor, cruising along this hour at 855-560-9900, 560 9900 Don't want to rankle the mathematicians out there, 855-560-9900. I know that upsets people. I don't want to do that. 855-560-9900. Yuck, yuck. And um, here at 24-7, that number is 24-7. You can call that number anytime, day or night. Leave a message, and we will call you back. Fast Harry will hook you up and put you in queue for the next week's show. Let's go over and talk to Patty out in Bedford, Iowa. I think that is with a 12 Focus and some problems with the blower fan inside the car. Patty, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Hi. Um, Hi. I have a 2012 Focus for 60,000 miles. And every summer, the fan blower quits working when it gets really hot outside. Okay. Is this an automatic temperature-controlled car? Uh, yes. Okay. This, this, this doesn't have knobs. This has digital buttons and a digital display head, correct? No, no. This has got knobs. I'm sorry. Okay. So this is manual control. Manual control, yes. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Okay, well, and I know that the air conditioner is working because there's cool air that will come out of the vents. I can put my hand up and feel it. it the, the fan works fine all the rest of the time, but when it's really warm outside and the fan quits, and then it, we might go several miles, and then it might come right back on. Okay. And what has anybody done to troubleshoot in anything? They've tried putting a regulator on there. A regular. And I've taken it back to the dealership several times, and they won't work on it unless it's not working. And so, you know, I can't – the nearest dealership is 30 miles away, and so I can't plan when that's going to happen. Right. Right. Okay. Let me put it into English for you. Um, okay. You got a light switch in your house? Yes. All right. Uh, and it's connected to a light, right? Yes. All right. Um, if you turn that light switch on and it doesn't work, and then while you're walking towards it, it starts to work, you've got an intermittent, agreed? It's an intermittent okay. fault, okay? So how are we going okay. to tr- troubleshoot it? How about because, because the wall switch is on the door by the kitchen and the lamp is all the way over on the other side of the room, how about if we had the ability to put a bulb or a device somewhere in between the circuit to see if when you throw the switch on, if the light's lit but the lamp's not on, we would know that that half of the circuit is good. Is that okay? Uh Uh-huh. Right? You with me? 
So, I'm with you, yes. So why can't they, if they really want to fix this, the blower motor is located down on the right side behind the glove box. Why can't they wire in a, a side, we call them side marker bulbs, one, 190, uh, 194 side marker bulbs, little tiny bulbs that they use in the front side markers on a lot of cars. You can go to any auto parts store. You can go to O'Reilly Auto Parts, for example, go out online, go out to O'ReillyAuto.com, and you'll see they sell 194 side marker bulbs and the sockets that go with it. It's a two-wire socket. Wire that bulb across that connector that goes to the fan blower motor. This way, when you turn on the switch, you turn on the switch at the dashboard, that light has to light. Agreed? Okay, yep. if you turned on the switch and that light lit but the blower didn't come on, what's the problem? The blower. The blower itself the blower, is bad, yeah. right? You're 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 plugged and I realize it's hard for you to visualize as I'm going through it so quick, but you're basically that bulb is telling you is there voltage at that source at the moment you turn the switch on. All right? Now, if uh-huh. you turn the switch on and the bulb doesn't light and the blower doesn't work, Then I would take the wiring diagram and I would back it up to the next step. There is something called a relay. A relay is a fancier switch than your wall switch. All right? I would back that bulb up to the other side of the relay, telling me that if the bulb doesn't light then, the problem is coming from the switch in the dashboard. All right? If the bulb lights, gotcha. if the bulb lights there, but not on the other side, the problem's in the relay or the fancy switch. You know, the problem is, as a mechanic, I'm challenged every day, and I have to say it like this: There's a lot of times I can't see the problem. All right, it doesn't exist. It it just doesn't happen. I've got to deal with intermittence, and I've got to think outside the box and around the corner. So I, I always think to myself, and I, and I really go through this every time, Patty, if, if, if it was my car, how would I fix it? And I would start to get creative and, you know, how can I, how can I know what's going on if I can't see the problem? Sometimes side marker bulbs do a lot for me, all right? The least the dealership could do is scan it for codes. There are fault codes that would exist in the body module as well as other places in the car that might tell them, hey, this was a condition that occurred that caused this intermittent fault. I will tell you this. The number one cause of intermittent issues on that particular car, 12 Focus, tell them to look in the battery junction box at fuse number 10. Not uncommon for that fuse to be an issue and for it to be a problem. So get them to look at that and see what that does for them and get back to me let me know what happens. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Keep in mind, if you're looking for me during the week, it's ron at cardoctorshow.com. You can also find at cardoctorshow.com a, a bunch of information. Tune in, iHeart, iTunes. We make podcasting available on all three. And um, keep in mind also that 855-560-9900 is a 24-7 number. Uh, you can call, leave a message. If we're not on the air, we're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m., 
but uh, you can leave a message and we will call you back fast. Harry will call you and get you in the lineup for the following week's live broadcast. And, and we like to talk to you on air because, and we realize some people are, are, are a little nervous, but we'll make it easy, we promise. Uh, you know, we're trying to get information out there about how to fix your car, and that's really what this radio show is about. So don't be nervous. You're helping people by coming on air more than you know. Let's get over and see if we can help Chris on line one in Augusta, Maine, 95 Accord with a crank no start condition. Chris, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Um, so I'm working on a 95 Accord 2.7, okay. and it's it's cranking, but it's not starting. Um, I've gone through the, the regular you know, procedures on checking that, uh, you know, fuel pressure, air, and I'm down to spark. And I'm check, I, I've checked, uh, you know, the, the distributor and rotor were replaced just recently. So um, I'm down to the ignition coil or the igniter, and I'm kind of stuck in between both of them. Well, let's, sure let's, let's back up a second. So what are we missing? We're missing spark. Yeah, I, I've, I've narrowed, narrowed it down to spark. Okay, so it's spark. Y- y- while cranking, you listen to it, the injectors click. Yeah. Okay. I, I, well, I, I took the, uh, the injectors out and, and cleaned them and made sure that they were all working properly and then put them back. Okay. Uh, you, you own them all just for base reading, just to get an idea that they're all pretty much even since we're dealing with something 22 years old? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, just, I would just be sure that the injectors are clicking. I have seen issues and you have fuel pressure, you said? Yeah, I did check the fuel pressure. Um, I, I went over it twice just to, you know, cover my bases. Okay. Um, and you're down between a coil and an igniter. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me tell you about 95 Accords. Uh, first of all, let me ask you this. I just, I've just, just on a hunch, did this car ever run when you owned it or it just died one day or what happened? Um, well, it did run and it did just die. Um, uh, I actually just bought it from a friend and figured I could fix it up for my girlfriend. So um, that's where I'm at with that. So right. It did run and then all of a sudden just stopped one day. Gotcha. All right. So you've never actually seen this run, or you did when your friend owned it, and uh... um, I I did get it when I when I brought it to my place. I did get it to move, you know, ten fifteen feet. And then it would die out again. Okay. Check engine light come on at all? I mean, um, no. if, if you sit there with the key on, the check engine light will come on for two seconds and go out? Um, no. So you never see a check engine light? No, it doesn't It doesn't come on. It doesn't blink, give me the, the fault codes or anything, but... Um, okay. So, you know, that's a concern. The check engine light as a bulb test... If the car has been, like, it, obviously you're not working on the car right now. If you went out after we got off this call and you turn the key on without cranking, check engine light should come on for two seconds and then go out. Okay. If it doesn't, then we've got to know why. And perhaps the ECM is dead. And that's always a possibility. So then my next question would be, do you have some sort of a scan tool? I do. Okay. If you plug in a scan tool, turn the key on so that everything is theoretically powered up, can you read data stream or any type of fault code information out of the PCM? Um, I did not get to that okay. because, um, well, for one, I was having trouble finding the, the actual connector. All right. Well, in 95, it can either be OBD2 or it can be Honda 3-wire, th- uh, which is down behind the glove box on the right side, if memory serves okay. me correct. 
So, but always keep that in mind. Um, listen, I admire what you're trying to do. Scanning for codes, I scan everything. I scan everything okay. even when I know it's not going to be a fault code. I scan everything during an oil change uh, because you'd be surprised what you learned today. Um, there's there's always a bit of information there. So, you know, that I would just want to know that. Do you see a check engine light come on? Do you see any faults? Um, so that being said, let's make the assumption the PCM is good. I don't think it's going to be, but let's make the assumption it is. All right? You want to go to the black-yellow wire at the distributor? Okay. And see if you have battery voltage. All right? Okay. If you have battery voltage there, there's a yellow-green wire that goes from the igniter back to the PCM. That's got to have 9.5 volts or more. If that voltage is okay, now we can actually crank it using a scope and look for a square wave. But I've got a feeling that you're either going to find this car has a bad PCM or the issue is going to be in the coil in the igniter. Here's the catch. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? The coils had a habit of taking out the igniters. So generally, and I'm going back 12 years, but when there were more of these on the the road and we worked on them more frequently, when we got to this part of the diagnosis, we did a coil and igniter together. We didn't didn't fool around because there there was no way to test the igniter better than what we're trying to do and the amount of effort you had to go through to get it to this point. You're better off putting a coil and an igniter in it. A lot of miles on this car, Chris. Um, not a, not too much. Uh, 165. Yeah, it's not it's not a lot, but it's not a little. So yeah. it, at at this stage of the game, if you get it down to the point where it's not a uh, where you think it's a coil or an igniter, once you confirm that and you go through some of those voltage tests, I would do both, and I wouldn't look back. All right, okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't have any fear of it. Uh, just keep in mind, why isn't that check engine light coming on? Can you read data stream out of the PCM? That's that's okay. that's probably the first thing I would go after just to verify. And don't be afraid to test something that you think is good. Sometimes you prove it's good. Move on to the next thing. At least you know what it's not. All right, brother? Okay. So If you need me, Ron, at cardoctorshow.com, I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for you. I'll be like, right, I'll be, you. I'll be like Motel 6. I'll leave the porch <laughs> light on. Let me, uh, let me know what's going on here. All right, kiddo? All right, thank you. You're very welcome, Chris. Good luck to you. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back. Hey, T-shirt winner coming up next. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Back, Ron Nini and the Car Doctor here at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Cardoctorshow.com is the website. Podcasts are there. Also, information about podcasting from TuneIn, iHeart, and iTunes Radio. And if you need me during the week, Ron at Cardoctorshow.com. Here's a great question, and we're doing a T-shirt giveaway every hour from now to the end of the year. And we're making a couple of subtle changes to how you get us this information. I'll talk about that in a minute. But here's one that came into us. Hey, Ron, interesting topic for your show. As you know, the basic tools of the trade have changed over the years. The dwell meter and a timing light were once on the top shelf of every mechanic's toolbox. The basic tools of the trade have changed, but the fundamentals are still the same. But the tools, those everyday diagnostic tools and those basics 
have everyday jobs have changed. So what would you do if a car from the 40s or 50s or 60s or even the 70s showed up at your shop? Would you know how to repair it? Would you be lost without the tools the mechanics had back in the day the car was built? This comes to us from Ken down in Baltimore, and I think online too. Ken, are you there, sir? Ken? Yes. Yeah, Ken, great question. And, uh, you know, Ken's been a long-time listener. Ken, how long have you been listening to The Car Doctor? I've been getting email from you forever. Uh, I guess the uh, mid-90s, late-90s, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Um, but were you ever a mechanic, or is this just something you enjoy listening to? Well, I'm an electronics technician, and right. you can, as you know, that you can apply a lot of that to cars nowadays. Sure. Oh, yeah, nowadays, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I think to answer the question, you know what, It's we still work on older cars. We'll work on cars from the 70s and the 60s. Haven't had a lot of requests for the 40s, but you know even the stuff into the 50s, we'll work on it. I still have my timing light and dwell meter and some of the basic tools. The biggest problem with working on those cars today isn't having the tools or the knowledge because it's easy to figure out if you understand the fundamentals, right. but it's finding the parts. Finding the parts is the real issue today because a lot of the, even the repro stuff is just absolute junk, and it's it's you know you're 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 making something work with something that really wasn't designed properly, and it, it becomes that much tougher. But I'll tell you what, it really got my attention because it got me to thinking, you know, you're talking about basic tools from the 60s and the 70s and so on, and, you know, those tools lasted, I mean, gee, a dwell meter and a timing light lasted, what, four or five decades? Now we're, right. now we're throwing out scan tools every three, four years. Actually, the uh, the dwell meter actually was a carryover to another generation of cars. You remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, General Motors with commuter command control and doing carburetors. Is that what you're right, referencing? Right, yeah. uh, yeah. mixture control solenoid. Yeah, mixture control sign, MC dwell. And, you know, we were all thrilled that we got to use our dwell meters for another five or six years. And by 88, all the carburetors were gone. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's... The, the, the technology is advancing so fast, and what I sometimes think about is how fast we throw away computers today, laptops and, and desktops and so on, because because the architecture and the structure is so outdated. You know, if you're throwing away a laptop every year or two, imagine what the mechanic's going through, because it, it, it changes daily. Right. It's... We're not it's, doing that yet with cars, though. We're still fixing them. <laughs> well, we're trying to. You know, if you want to, if you want to Google something interesting, I say this to you, and I say this to everybody out there: Google Goodyear round ball tire, and it's a it's a concept about creating a tire that's shaped like a ball that will be attached to the undercarriage of the vehicle, and it will work off electro, electromagnetic induction. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it's the idea that they can turn that ball in any direction they want, and they have complete control. They can parallel park the car by making right-angle turns with it. It's got a cute little video attached to it. I'm going to have to get a copy of it up on the Facebook page. But it's it's really interesting to see where they think they're going to go in the next 30 years, whether or not we get there or not. That's another story. But, you know, dwell meters and timing lights? <laughs> that'll look like that'll look like kids play compared to some of this stuff. Ken, listen, I appreciate your interest. I appreciate the question, and I just want to let you know that we're going to be sending out a Car Doctor T-shirt to you. So you stay on the line. Make sure Tom Ray gets your information, okay. and uh, we'll nice get that we'll get that out there in the mail. Nice talking to you too, sir. After all these years, and uh, we look forward to spending more time with you. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I'm Ron Anini in the Car Doctor. I am back right after this.
Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor are going to finish it out this segment. Let's get over and talk to Dean real quick, Shenandoah, Iowa. Dean, welcome to the Car Doctor. Yes, sir. Yeah, hello. Yes, sir. How can I help? Oh, uh, you made a comment a while ago about the computer won't shut the car down. Well, I've got a 2011 Impala, and this computer did shut the engine down. Well, in Walt's... And it, told, in, it told me on the dash it was going to do it before it did it. Okay, what, what, but what problem came up prior to that happening? Uh, the first thing that we were going to go on a trip to uh, see my daughter, we got about 15 miles from home, and a, a alarm come up on the dash that Stabilitrack needs service, power being reduced. Right, Re- reduced power. So I thought I better turn around and go home. I, I turned around, put it in drive, it wouldn't move, it wouldn't accelerate. Right. So I shut it off, put it in park, shut it off, started back up, then it moved. So I started home, and I got within three and a half miles of home, and I looked down and said, power, uh, turning power off now. And it just shut the engine off. Right. Key was still on, everything. And what fixed the car, the accelerator pedal sensor or the throttle body? The one in the day, in the engine compartment. Right, yeah. See, the difference is, I w- and I'm sorry. No, it was, I'm, the one in, it was the one in the, in the car. The, the pedal itself. Right, it was the pedal assembly. See, I was sorry if I wasn't being yeah. clear. In Walt's case, he was asking me with the oil pressure wire disconnected would that shut the engine down in in 2002 yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, that but yeah you make a valid point that yes they are getting to the stage and the reason they shut yours down is the liability factor of it being a runaway throttle which is what it possibly could become uh as a result of yeah, that because it's an electronic piece telling the computer where you want the throttle right. and then the computer telling the right. other electronic piece out underneath the hood, where to put the throttle. Right, exactly, exactly. So, but, um, yeah, valid point. I appreciate the call, Dean. Let me grab my next one, and uh, thanks for being a Car Doctor listener. Matt in Columbus, Ohio, 89 Bronco. Hi, Idle Problem. How can I help? Oh, hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, love your show. Thank you, sir. What's going on? Um, yeah, uh, I replaced the uh, the gear and the pickup uh, crank sensor on the distributor. And after that, I, I had it timed and everything, and it seems to idle really, really fast. And no matter what way I turn the distributor, it idles extremely high, about 2,800 RPMs. Okay, so let me ask you this. Why were you working on the distributor? Did it not start? Did it die? Wh- it did not start. Okay. It, it was a no-spark situation, and I traced it back to the ignition control module, okay. which is mounted on the distributor. And that did, that took care of me. I got spark after that. All right. Did you happen to look at, you know, inside where the distributor plugs in, there's a three-wire or what we used to call a Hall effect stator. Did you change that as well? Yes. All right. So that being said, you did a Hall effect in a module. Was there oil inside of the distributor body? I could, I couldn't really tell. It looked kind of, it looked pretty clean actually. Okay, good. All right, good. Um, when you had the distributor out and be, put it back in, did you happen to clean the throttle body? I did not. All right, so do this. Let's let's cover the basics first. Let's get it timed right, and it should be ten degrees before top. Make sure you did yeah. you, you you did unplug the set timing connector. Yeah, the the pip. Right, the pip. Right. Yep. Yep. Those were the days. Um, make sure you get the timing set right. Make sure you're looking at the right mark on the balancer. Clean the throttle body. Did you do it? Did you do a battery cable disconnect? No, I did not. Okay, disconnect both battery cables. Join them together. 
All right, leave them, leave them disconnected like that for a good five to eight minutes. Make sure you have a good connection coming off the negative battery cable. There's going to be a pull-apart ground plug. It looks like a Ford factory connector. It's kind of black and oval in shape. Yes. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. All right, about. pull that apart. Make sure that's good, clean. That is the main EEC computer ground for that vehicle. Losing ground there will cause total confusion. Make sure that's a good, clean connection. Make sure you've got good grounds, good, clean connections at the battery. Retrain it, hook it back up, start it up. Let's see where it goes. Call me next week. I'm Ron Anini and the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.